Hello and welcome to the Dad and Sons Podcast. I am here with my lovely co-hosts, Liam and George. What are you guys doing today? Oh god, it feels good to be back. Does it? Yeah, it feels like it's been... Especially considering, obviously, you know, we had Greg on last time, and that was a bit of a... Greg. We tried to act professional for once, and pulled it (laughs) off, but... Not our regular shit. Right? That was that was a fantastic interview. It he was. sent me an email oh. after about how how thoughtful and interesting the questions were. Aww. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't ruin it this time. I didn't have enough time to ruin it. <laughs> I totally wanted to ruin it so badly. <laughs> but George had like a structure there. He had the serious face on. I was like, nah. Sure. I don't have enough time for this. I, I had a, a like a, a timed outline with like questions organized by priority yeah. with like limits we couldn't go over. <laughs> and I never got to tell him. I was like, I'm pretty sure I met you and told you how much I loved your games when uh when Transistor was coming out. I met you at a, a pa- I think it was a PAX, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Like, Thanks, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I hear yeah, it all I, the time. I totally forgot to tell him that. Man. I was like, oh. God, I had to go to work. Work, guys. Ugh. Yeah, it's been yeah. busy. We've been all busy. Like, yeah. Matt's like nailing it. I'm dying, and George is George. George. <laughs> I, I, I fucking, I, I, I don't know. I just really like dislike the way my my life situation is arranged by now. I spent the past week playing way too much Hunt Showdown. Uh, going going back to you know my crack cocaine edition with that shit (laughs) yeah it's it's such a such a dragon to chase because i i'm a fan of the solo play right and the solo rounds will either make you feel like an amazing solid snake or a dumbass austin powers and and it's 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 psychologically nefarious how that game digs into my brain and makes me want to play another 30 45 minute round back onto the crack cocaine yeah, I, I haven't died back in in quite some time dude i i mean i love hunt showdown it's an amazing it's it's a it's great amazing. game recommend yeah. it to people who like clever multiplayer stealth stuff but mike that that game is is gonna be my downfall. I spend way too much time doing that and not living <laughs> as a human being in planet Earth. <laughs> oh god, I can't wait till you get addicted to like VR chat or some shit like that. You just like sit around and listen to some dude play guitar <laughs> or some shit. Well, you're socializing in that case. The Hunt Showdown player base is like fucking toxic sometimes. Yes, it and, is. And that makes me want to go back and get revenge. Like, yeah. there's so many things about this game that latch into my brain's vulnerabilities that uh, fucking five years from now, I'm probably going to be still playing Hunt Showdown. Everyone's going to wonder where I went. I'm just going to be in a room <laughs> playing Hunt Showdown in, in like a box under the bridge. <laughs> You could be, you could become the guy. You could just be the Twitch streamer, the guy who just plays Hunt, like the guy. But I'm not good enough at it. I've seen YouTube people do solo runs, and they, they like my, I'm, I'm too old to have the reflexes they do. But yeah. I, I still just can't stop. I know how we can fix that, George. Oh yeah, play more. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. But at what cost? At what? Everything. Cost? Everything. So- it's so weird you bring this up, right? Like, do we live in an era, right, 
And this kind of comes up because of something that happened recently to somebody I knew. So how, like, I'm out of the loop here. Is being, like, a single game person a thing? Like, I know Fortnite and League of Legends and all that. But, like, if you were the hunt guy or you were the Rainbow Six guy. It exists. I think that's, that's still a thing. But you still have to be good, right? Can you be knowledgeable or do you have to be, like, good at the game? There's funny. Yeah. Preferably both. I mean, I'm talking to the guy who made his living off Guild Wars 2 for like years, so <laughs> I feel like... Yes, and, and I was not good. I tell you that. I was not good. So the reason I bring this up is because, interestingly enough, I found out that somebody I worked with has recently... A Japanese guy recently quit his job because... He's been doing YouTube stuff in the background. He's, he's been a game developer for like 10 years or so, but he does oh, YouTube man. stuff in the background. And he was like, I'm leaving because I'm going to try and pursue my passion, which is YouTube and making videos, right? And I was like, wow, okay, good on you. You know, if you if that's what you want to do, good. And I checked his YouTube channel out. It's all in Japanese. Uh, and he only had 2,000 subscribers. And I was like... Hmm. And maybe you bit the hmm. bullet too fast, my friend. And the thing he plays is an old PSP game from 2007. And that's all he does, no. is he talks and plays this PSP game from 2007. And that's it. That's all he makes videos about. And he's obviously very good at it. It's a PSP game called Why Do I Do This For You, My Lord? Or something crazy. It's like a, it's a tower defense <laughs> game where you're like a dungeon master. And the idea is you drop loads of enemies that dig holes for you and build like pathways. And then when the hero arrives, your enemy's AI that you positioned, he tries to make it through and you try to stop him. But the funny thing is, so his YouTube was not that big, but I checked out his Nico Nico Doga, which is like the Japanese YouTube, right? The Nico Nico. He had like 60,000 followers on it. There we go. And none of us knew about it. None of us. And I'm like, this dude is known by like 60,000 people in Japan. And his YouTube channel is like derelict. And it's all because of this one 2007 PSP game. That's where the money's at. And I was like, is this a thing? Is this really a thing? Can you like... Maybe that's what I need to do. I need to switch from YouTube to Nico Nico. Or play a PSP <laughs> game from 2007. Everyone did want me to stream more Danganronpa. <laughs> oh my god. I look at that game and I'm like, is this one of those weird... The end games. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a visual novel. It's a visual novel with some mini games. Mm-hmm. You uh George loves those mini games. The the smut section in uh on top of uh <laughs> the, the Sega store. <laughs> oh, it totally does the the Japanese high school with, with sexually anxious teenager things. Oh, Rampa is is Japanese as fuck. It is. Yeah. But it did remind me a lot of like 999 and mm. Virtue's Last Reward in that series. What's the second game called? Yeah, Nine Hours, Nine Nine Doors, Nine Persons. Is it called? Yeah, nine, yeah. Nine 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 Nine. The Six 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 game, basically. Yeah. yeah. What's the second one called? I forget what the second one's called. Virtue's Last Reward is the third one. It's anyway, eighteen, eighteen, eighteen. <laughs> 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 I don't get it. <laughs> I guess you're not at that age yet, George. 
<laughs> you haven't finished the second banger up. <laughs> I, I think I'm older than you, George, right? That's what we established, right? That I'm the oldest one on this podcast. Wait, really? That's what we established here? You don't look like it. Yeah, well, apparently I am. I mean, you've been out working hard, like a good dad. That's 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 for sure. All this gray hair. Yeah. Apparently, you're you, you go to the gym regularly, the the pandemic gym. Oh man, See, now I'm never gonna go back. Now, the thing is, <laughs> <laughs> throwing the shade. I keep stopping and going back because they keep closing it and going back. It's just like, uh, okay, I, I can't do this. I my body's just gonna get nah, out on me. Nah, don't do it. You don't need a gym. Oh my god! Just play Beat Saber. Just uh, <laughs> definitely need the gym. <laughs> play, play, burn your fat with me. <laughs> beat Saber, man! I need to move I, this bed, okay, or get my own place. You've been you've been Beat Sabering in that bed, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. never had a gym membership, but I have had the self discipline to stick to my own like calorie counting weight loss programs every now and then throughout my life. You're like the notorious Switch player. You cycle and like play the Switch somehow. I've never felt the temptation to subscribe to a gym because I've managed to to lose weight by myself. Well, it's not about it's not about losing weight, it's about being able to keep it off. Consistent, yeah. Yeah. Best thing I ever did was join a gym and then I moved to Kyoto, hmm. realized that drinking by the river was more fun, and then it all went south. I wonder if it's a lifestyle thing because I, I, I still ride my bike everywhere. Like I, I have to walk around. I, I live downtown in the city. I do a lot of walking. And I wonder if that's what, where, why I've never felt this temptation to actually subscribe to a gym and pay the like membership fees. And- quality of life. Like just imagine being able to carry like a million groceries up the stairs and not feel a damn thing like that like that was like the first time i realized like i was like oh my god <laughs> this is why you go to the gym yeah. <laughs> these are lighter than air these are lighter than like yes you know it's just like pick it up and, and that's that's i mean that's basically it i mean other than sex some of the like spiciest <laughs> conversations I've ever had behind the scenes that I've been too afraid to like go to Twitter Ooh. and stuff are about how like I don't I don't know how how much of a fan I am of oversharing with sixty thousand plus people. That and also <laughs> like there are some real material benefits to be made from losing weight. Like people do judge you based on your physical attractiveness, Absolutely. which is tied to how Reflect much free them, time and money you can spend losing weight and getting a haircuts and developing a style and stuff but it totally makes life easier and and people judge you learn real fast when you lose weight how people judge matt you've been there right you used to yeah i used to be over 300 pounds yes people people look at me completely different yeah and and you noticed how people people change they they talk to you different dating gets way fucking easier they smile at you they it's a different (laughs) ball game um but, but fuck those guys Japan is amazing for this. Like, I was talking to somebody the other day about how you don't say something that's totally normal. Like, like, oh, you're working too hard. You don't, you just don't say that in Japan. As we all know, we discussed many times mm. about overworking Japan. But the one thing you do point out to people, and it's not rude, according to Japanese people, is telling them they've put on weight or telling them they're overweight. Like, oh, you're looking pretty hefty Aww. today, sir. And you're like, oh, God, Jesus. Like, th- like they happily will Man. be like, wow, you're like a tree. <laughs> yeah. 
And I remember the time when I'd lost weight and I'd been going to the gym consistently was the day when kids stopped calling me Mr. Tree. And now I was like, well, there we go. I guess I lost a lot of weight. That's that's some interesting cultural discourse, because when I think of tree, I think of tall, slender, fat oaking trees. Yeah, I don't. That's that's funny. Fat stumps. Like that makes me wonder, like how how different the mind's eye of a tree will, will look like, and but under, it, under it's still the connotation, for. right? It's like saying yeah, to somebody, yeah. "Trees are not." It's not like saying you're a pig, you're you're an overweight pig or something, but it's the connotation <laughs> that hey, you need to lose some weight, you need to lose some weight. Like Jeez. it's funny we're talking about this, right? I'm yeah, I'm I'm big guy. But I'm not like. No, you're not. I, I, but I am. Not I'm, a, I'm a big guy not, when people are the next. You know what that is, man. And compare too much time with the Japanese people. Have you been a size forty-two, man? That's that's big. How much do I weigh in pounds? I don't know. You're probably like what, like two something. I I would not call you a, a big tree. I'm like <laughs> two, two five to two ten or something like oh, that. Oh please, that's not big. Get out of here, man. Maybe maybe more heavier than that. But in Japan. In Japan, I'm a big guy, right? I'm yes. a big guy in Japan. And obviously, we all know, as I've mentioned enough now, I recently discovered a hernia that's freaked me the fuck out for the past odd yeah. news while. So let's cue the Weird Al song. And this is amazing, right? So I went with my Japanese partner to the GP, the doctor, to discuss this. And I was freaking out a little. I've come to realize I'm not very good when it comes to being sick as I've never really experienced it before. But now I'm 30, I'm like cripplingly depressed about dying most of my days. But you know, slap some sense into me now and again. Anyway, went to the doctor and I had my stomach examined, et cetera, et cetera. And then as soon as I turn around to like put my t-shirt on, like the doctor imitates like this, like, like 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 i can't how do i guys like basically like (laughs) like oh he's fat like he like he puts his arms out and he's like the tuba in the background (laughs) he puts yeah he puts his arms out like this and he's like he inflates his cheeks (laughs) quietly like (laughs) to to my girlfriend so so I, i don't see it but to get the message across to her that i need to lose some weight i'm like Dude, you are half the size of me. I'm not Japanese. I don't know how, but she was like in tears, like laughing about it. And I was like, that's sneaky fuck. Why don't you just tell me? He's my doctor. He's meant to tell me I'm meant to lose weight, not sneakily tell my girlfriend that I need to lose weight. The bastard. The bastard. The bastard. Well, thank God that bastard. Wow. I know. Cheeky fuck. Yeah, man. Doctors are supposed to just tell you straight up like you need to fucking... Yo, you might be dying. Yeah, he just you was need like, to fucking like lose some weight. Like that's what doctors here do. Like they, I mean, they that's tell what they're supposed to do up. in Japan as well. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird. That's a weird uh, culture. Maybe maybe it's just because you're just like a, a foreigner. Maybe he just thinks I'm sensitive. Which so... I think probably in that moment I was. I was like relieved I didn't have colon cancer or some nonsense. Speaking oh, yeah. of of weird foreigners and mm-hmm. cultural sensitivities, here comes Borat. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do Do you guys oh. care about Borat? Like, how how big of a fan are are you two? I like the guy. I liked Ali G, <laughs> but I never really. I never liked Borat. Borat was just too much for me when it oh, came man. out way back. I might appreciate it now, 
years later, but... Yeah. I actually also think I've only ever watched it once. And when I did watch it, I was on a date, so I was less interested. And this is like, what, 13, (laughs) 14 years ago? Man, I can't imagine making out through Borat, but anyways. Even though the character is iconic, I actually can't remember much about the original film, apart from yeah. the catchphrases, right, that God have infiltrated damn. cultural... Very nice. Very nice. Wow, wow, we are. Like, you know, that kind yeah. of... <laughs> Subsequent movie film is out. It is now appropriate to do Borat noises for like a week again. And um, nah. <laughs> I, I am a huge fan of the first movie. It is one of my favorite ones of all time. So Whoa. before I, I went into it, yes, like I believe that, that with that film, that man elevated comedy to a whole new Whoa. level. When, when, when you watch it nowadays, <laughs> it's, it's dated in many, many ways, Whoa. but it also is like one of the most important cultural touchstones for like how American culture and comedy and how we view ourselves and the rest of the world viewed us had changed over the past 15 years. Holy shit, George. So before I get into it, I did want to ask you guys if you care about spoilers or if you if you hold hold this to the same reverency that I did. I have a Borat poster in front of um my face right now he's not that lying, i've had folks. on on my wall for <laughs> years shit. i did not know you liked borat that much that is amazing i love borat so when you saw the trailer you were like mm-hmm. almost touching yourself were you more excited about borat too or the fact that a part of it takes place at where magfest takes place all of it all of it i was i was totally it felt like the right time and place i i mean conservatives are ridiculous and easy to make fun of uh, th- this kind of service <laughs> is needed and in today's time and age we we absolutely positively need to to laugh at ourselves and make fun of ourselves for it and um the, the trailer yeah had had him pranking the the cpac convention at, at the magfest hotel but i realized when i was watching it like there's a lot of magic that that comes from seeing this stuff in theaters that you don't really get at home. Yeah. Like a lot of the the shocking edginess of it doesn't work when when you're seeing it a, as a straight to internet broadcasted thing on a computer screen. Like a lot of a lot of the, the the nudity gags and whatnot. It seems like like when you see that in a theater, you're like, how the hell did they manage to to get this approved by all the different bureaucracies and agencies that are required to have a, a scene on a movie theater screen that, that uses an actual penis for gags for whatever reason <laughs> penises are are shocking and, and and borderline off limits but when you see it on a computer screen it doesn't hit you as hard and the other thing going on is that people nowadays they are able to tell when they're being pranked the mm-hmm. borat himself obviously contributed to how much harder it is to do that sort of act now. But we also have gone through 15 years of people always being on guard for cameras rolling on them, always being on guard for like mean spirited YouTube pranksters. People in this one are visibly apprehensive of these characters. How many people pull out phones to film them back? It's a gag that's used in the beginning of the movie. One of the recurring gags is that he has to put on increasingly ridiculous disguises as Borat to hide the fact that he is Borat disguised as other characters. Unlike the the Borat and Bruno movies, the events in this case don't come close to inciting riots. There's a Rudy Giuliani climax that you'll already know if you've been reading the news that's kind of spoiled to you in the end. But so much more of it is uh, like scripted drama with actors. And you can tell. This is before COVID? 
It was filmed during COVID. <laughs> oh shit! Really? Yeah, a big uh, plot point is is how Borat reacts to being stuck and stranded in America when the virus breaks out. Oh wow! And uh, he he goes to an anti mask rally. He uh, interviews people about their COVID conspiracy theories. And the, was he wearing a mask? The whole, he wasn't wearing a mask in, in a lot of the trailers, right? It, so. it goes back and forth depending on the situation he's in. Oh man, that sucks. See, that's the one thing that. Yeah, go go ahead. Sorry, I wasn't disappointed. I I sure did get more Borat. It was it was still a well made <laughs> movie, but it just feels like like we're at a time and a place where everyone knows by now that pranking comedy is not going to solve the problem. Mm. Like like we absolutely need to expose and fix the the bigotry in American society, the lack of education in American society, mm. the the international stereotype of Americans being fat and stupid is worse way worse than it was the first movie came out, but it seems like it's painfully apparent that this stuff is not going to fix that. Mm. How well does the movie approach the fact? I know you just said he wears disguises, but how well does it approach the fact that everybody can recognize Borat from a distance? Is it like funny in the beginning that people are like, oh, lol, it's Borat, and he has to disguise himself, and then does it get old, or is it like pretty well handled? How, like, how the hell do you make a movie about a guy who pretends to be a fake Kazakhstanian diplomat or something? Also, also, there's the fact that since the first movie came out and social media has blown up, we, we all get a painful reminder of how he might maybe shouldn't have picked a real country with the real people who have gone through some real shit as, as the basis for his character. But anyways, besides that point, uh, it is, I would say that aspect is handled well because he puts on increasingly ridiculous disguises as increasingly ridiculous characters who are technically Borat wearing the disguise. The beginning of the movie has Borat being unable to function in society because everyone's chasing him wanting his autograph. So he like starts putting on like like a beard and denim overalls and trucker caps and trying to fake his fake Eastern European accent, faking an American Southern accent. And that that stuff is hilarious. The 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 characters that Borat plays, it's it's like like inception levels of disguise going on it. That 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 aspect of it, I do believe, was was handled pretty smart. I, I was watching this comedy and um, about this guy in this church and and uh, it, it was like he was just kind of making fun of like the way pastors kind of like heal everybody. And he was like putting his hands on you know, when the audience member was going along with it. Right, right. And you, you see the close-up of his hand just touching touching the face. And and it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Like, <laughs> everyone was laughing. And and it made me sad <laughs> because we're never going to have that <laughs> again or we're, we're going to be far away from that for, for years. I feel like no one's going to go back to that. And I want to I know how badly... Did that affect Borat for you? Yes. Like the mask thing, the no touching thing. Because like that was a huge, huge thing in Borat, mm -hmm. right? Agreed, agreed. And uh, people didn't like the Bruno movie as much as I did. I thought Bruno was, was an excellent movie as well, partially because of that scene at the I end. I forgot about Bruno. Yeah. At the end of Bruno, uh, Sacha Baron Cohen stages a, an MMA style fighting event called Stru... 
straight Dave's man slam and knockout. He then pranks the audience by by having his his male character start kissing and making out with another male character in the fight ring. And uh, the audience goes ballistic. They start throwing stuff at him. It's, it's borderline inciting a riot. That doesn't happen here because the crowd size is not there anymore. The crowds in general aren't there anymore. When he's walking around on the street, there's no one really to like look and, and react to him and stuff. It feels uh, empty in, in ways that the first one <sighs> didn't. Fuck. And, and it's evident that the culture has changed too. In the first movie, like you still, as, as crass and offensive as Borat is designed to be, it still had this like wholesome experience of him experiencing Southern hospitality and going on a great American road trip. Like as bigoted as the bigots are, they still welcome this strange, weird foreigner into their lives with open arms. And when that happens in this movie, you can tell those are actors and not real people because no one's going to do that anymore. Yeah. So a big part of it is his daughter, right? His fake daughter. Yes. How, yeah. how is that yeah. part? Cool. There's a big focus on, on feminism and how women are treated. He goes to a debutante ball. I, I looked up what debutantes are because I never actually knew what that word meant. That's another thing you can do in this movie you couldn't do in the first is have a tab of Wikipedia open, kind of demystifying a lot of the... <laughs> The fun mysteries of it. But um, yeah, his his subplot, subplot, it's not a subplot. It is the plot. The daughter character is like a, a co-star of the show who like arguably almost steals the spotlight. Uh, Maria Bakalava, I believe is her name. And now all of a sudden she's a famous actress everyone knows from Bulgaria, which would not have happened otherwise. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. And, and, you know, Rudy Giuliani gets gets borderline intimate in the interview with, with her. That would not have happened with um, any of the Borat characters either. Wow. Mm. So would you, get, would you give it a Borat very nice? <laughs> I, I'd give it just a nice. I, 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 the magic yeah. isn't there. It's still well made. But it's, it's a different experience watching that kind of shtick in 2020 versus 2006. I tried to get it out of my head, but... It just, the whole COVID thing and how everything kind of just, it just kind of messes up a lot of the things that we, we enjoy. Mm -hmm. It just, it keeps coming up, you know, like we're, I was just out with friends yesterday and we're talking about friends giving. Oh, I'll be doing one of those this year. It's not going to be the same. We, we had a crazy Halloween party. I mean, my picture is from that, is from that Halloween party last year. We're not going to be able to have that again. You know, it, it's just kind of sad. I don't really mean to bring it down, but it's just like, it's just kind of sad, you know? And I don't know. Hopefully it ends. Hopefully it ends. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon, soon. Cause I would like to go to Japan. I, I'm already ready. I'm already ready. I got, I got the stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, exactly. We were meant to do it this year. Come on. I got hopefully some free time. Around the time that we're gonna be doing it, and uh, we'll make something, make something fancy. If even I, I, I might crinkle one of those two hundred dollar air masks onto the plane and <laughs> be in my own little bubble for eleven hours. If we have to go through that, I, I will be flying a plane. Ooh. in two weeks' time, and I'm Ooh. intrigued to see how it goes. Okay, are they going to make you get the test? Because I think that's that's what they do here. It's a nationwide flight, so it's internal in Japan. It's from Osaka to Hokkaido. So Oh, nice. I'm go going up to Sapporo for a little bit. 
I fucking loved Sapporo. That was one of the best days of my life. So I've never <laughs> been, so I'm excited to go. And, and and but but obviously the internal flights in Japan are so cheap right now. Just like it's going to cost me what like forty bucks to just fly, <gasps> fly oh. up and back to Hokkaido. No so way. Like, why the hell would I not? And <laughs> even better is I'm going for four days, right? Four days, and I'm staying in an Airbnb, and the government is giving everybody $80 off for this go-to campaign here in Japan, like to encourage people to start, you know, going back and stimulate the stimulate the economy involved. a little bit and stuff. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. place to not go is Tokyo. So if you're in Japan, don't go to Tokyo because that's the only place that really is a, a concern. That's fine. There, there's a lot to do in Japan besides Tokyo. We weren't planning on going there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was it was so cheap anyway. It was like it was like 200 bucks for like four God. nights. It's now 110 bucks split between three people. So it cost me like $30 for four nights. So what are you, what are you going to wear on the plane? What's your, what's your plan, your COVID prevention plan? It is uh, probably a waterproof jacket, a coat, and some sweatpants that maybe throw away after being on the plane. What are you going to have on your face? I'm wearing a mask, of course. I, I think you have to. You're not going to do the, the bubble? You're not going to have a fish tank astronaut? Oh, like, like a plastic bag with holes cut through the <laughs> eyes, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Paper bag with eye holes. get through the eyes, too, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so you have to wear a mask. Second is, I don't think you have to be tested because you're flying in between, you know, nationwide, na- nationally. Um, it's going to suck if I have to. I didn't, it doesn't say anything about that. But... I, you know, fair play, have to do it. When I booked it, like, and I looked at the seats on the plane, there's like, there's nobody on the plane. It's like 10. There's like 10. The whole plane's empty. So So you might be able to socially distance even on an airplane. Yeah. I'll just be able to have a whole row to myself. It's only an hour and a half flight. I'm just going to have a whole row to myself, baby. I hope it works out. And yeah, going to then go eat some lamb. Are the, the ski slopes going to be open in Hokkaido when you go? So I don't think it's going to be snowing. I, I mean, Hokkaido is going to be cold, but I don't think it's that cold. They, they could have the snow machines on just, just for the ski slopes. They might do. I'm not planning on going. So I have, I have two objectives, right? So I haven't been on a holiday for a while, of course, but I haven't, I've never been to Sapporo either. Two things I'm going to do for sure are, one, eat lamb. Because the Jingish Khan, as it's known mm-hmm. in Japan, famous lamb. Yes, yes, agreed. Gonna do that. So I'm gonna eat that. Secondly, is I'm going to the Sapporo Beer Museum and I'm gonna drink beer in a museum all day. I did not get Sounds to do good. the beer museum, but I did get to do the Genghis Khan lamb, which was at a restaurant at the beer museum. It just happened to be closed when we arrived. But yeah, that you you got it. You're gonna be good. I'm gonna have a wonderful time, I think. I'm excited. Go to the Ainu Museum too, if you can if you can squeeze it. Ooh, some pre I that's the thing I read about uh Sapporo is like until like eighteen sixty, literally seven people lived on the whole island. And that was wow. it. Wow. It was the undocumented tribes of the Ainu and stuff like that. So it's fairly new city. Yeah, if if you wanna learn about Imperial Japan being even bigger dicks than you might have known before. 
<laughs> take a visit to the Ainu Museum. Well, I'm excited to go. So I'm interested. To, I'll report back after my arduous journey. Um, what flying during COVID times? What even like going to the airport is going to be like during COVID times? I am. I am interested. I, I, maybe you'll see someone in a bubble. <laughs> maybe. Someone wearing those those two hundred dollar air bubbles. Do we got games to talk about? We're thirty five we, minutes we in, and, and we just did small talk. We do. We yeah. We've missed each um, other. We're catching up. Matt's finished like eight games. I will, I'm gonna pick. <laughs> I'm gonna pick two. <laughs> two of the eight. Two of the eight. Uh, two that he I literally did. He, he just deleted games off our like docket. He's <laughs> played so many. <laughs> Don't shame me. There's a theme here. It, 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 you know when you're in that mode where you just kind of need that perfect media to kind of like kind of calm you <laughs> kind of soothe you over god when, yes when shit's just kind of like kind of just kind of just not not like not bad just just kind of shit you know just a little you know you just mushy mushy she like like that media you know i would puff a little something special and then just watch an episode now these this is the dub because you know travis willingham is uh is, is the guy who uh plays mushi and it what's oh name? it's is an anime oh it's nice name. It's not, it's not mushi. yes anime so we're still not even talking about games <gasps> oh we're talking about mushishi the anime Oh, damn. I was like Googling it. Like, wait, there's a game, Mushishi? Plays the main character, which is the guy from Critical Role. I didn't know that, but this was years ago. This is years ago. He sounds completely different. See, I've seen this, I've seen this anime years ago, but I only watched yeah. the Japanese version, so I haven't, haven't heard the English stuff. It fucking holds up, man. The art. It's a lovely the music. Lovely show. It's a lovely show. It is so easygoing. It is probably one of the fa- my favorites now. It it just it was just perfect. Every episode was just just this little little um I don't know, like this little uh story of something magical that was going on with the Mushi and they explain it, he solves it in a weird way and on to the next episode, just wandering from village to village, and it just the atmosphere it was just it was perfect. It, and I was just go to sleep right after, just, you know. It was it was perfect way to end the night. It sucks that the second season does not have the same dub. And when I heard, I know people who love the sub are gonna hate this, but when I heard the dude's voice. In Japanese, I was like, "God, this doesn't even sound like the same person." <sighs> like the the his tone of voice, everything just everything is different. Everything is different in in Japanese. He's very softly spoken in Japanese, uh, and, and it's just it's rough. Like it, it didn't it didn't seem like the same person at all. Really? Yeah, it didn't seem like the same person. Well, that's weird because to me, the way he looks with his like white hair covering his eye, he looks very soft. He looks very kind of yeah. And and in in the dub, like oh, I just turned up into town. How are you doing? That's that's how you. It was given off that way, but in the sub, 
he's he almost was a dick on the first episode of the season two. I was just like, he's not a dick. Oh, so it's Travis. It's Travis Willingham. Yes. The, the big muscular, muscular guy from Critical yeah, Role. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is different. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different. It's completely different voice. Completely different vibe. It's not like One Piece where it's basically the same thing. You could interchange them. Um, well, almost. You know, this one is completely different. I would say um, it, it's a good series. Definitely, definitely try that out. Definitely. I can. I watched it when I was in university, so maybe a, a year or so after it came out, and it was yeah. the most relaxing. It, it is. It's very relaxing, very peaceful. Um, I need Yeah. I need it's basically kind of about bugs, Mushi, but like supernatural ones. Supernatural bugs. That's Supernatural that's bugs, essentially. It. He just walks through forests. That's all I remember, really, about the show. He just walks through forests, going from town to town. Pretty much. Talking, talking about bugs and stuff. You're not wrong. He just he just comes up the forest and just talks to people like, "Hey, you need help?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." And then he helps them, and then he goes back into the forest. <laughs> Is this bug else. bothering you, sir? <laughs> yes. All right, I'll help you out. He's definitely smoking weed. Like that. That's is not a cigarette. It's absolutely not a cigarette. He's just too easygoing. <laughs> <laughs> but there's two games I I, I beat. All right. Um, oh, so you cheated. So you said you were going to talk about two games, but three topics. Oh, what are you talking? As Mushishi doesn't count. Well, no, no, so, it, doesn't, it doesn't count. We, did, we did, did you beat all eight games in two weeks? Or uh, all right, all right, I'll be quick with with Nine in the Woods. Very. I wanted to play it ever since you guys told me the backstory. Oh, that's so that's what this is in reference game. to, because it's written as Night in Your Dad. And I was like, <laughs> what kind of visual novel wow. have you been playing? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I wanted to keep the suspense. I didn't know if I was going to play it yet. It was all an Xbox pass. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll play it. I wanted to keep the 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 wholesomeness going. But that game is not wholesome-ish. It's wholesome-ish. Really? Uh, it reminded me sad. of some old it it's is sad it is sad but it did like activate nostalgia in me it reminded me a yeah. lot of uh high school friends who uh never really moved out of town yeah yeah i i definitely enjoyed the game you know when i look back on it it just makes me i don't have like oh yeah like that was a great game it's more like it made me think about a lot of things mm-hmm and ah, I guess that that was that was the game, you know. That was the, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's really resonated with people. But I think if you don't have the problems that it addresses, it's not going to resonate with you as hard. It really forces you to do some really sh- shitty things. Um, it made me feel very uncomfortable in some ways. I was just like, I would never do this ever, <laughs> and you you're forced to do it, and it's just like. Damn, that sucked. But I liked it because of that. Right. I, I, I think the way they did it, they they definitely they definitely nailed it. They definitely nailed it. It's a very honest and thoughtful portrayal of what would strike the rest of us as kind of assholey behavior. Yes. She's not really an asshole. It's just, you know, that's just kind of her character, the way she is, you know, because of some issues, but I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. But night, 
I was about to say Night in Your Dad. Uh, Night in the Woods. Night in Your Dad. It's a, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. I really want to talk about I Can Fell. I, I'm super interested to hear about I Can Fell. This is one of my favorite games of the year. Wow. I absolutely love this game. Holy shit. Okay, okay, okay. okay. It is cool, 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 exactly cool, cool, cool. what I needed at the time. It was. It's just wholesome and fucking gay. Like, it's just good. <laughs> it's just good. Like, yeah, man. You're going to see a lot of things that... um. I don't know what you're going to see first. Like for me, I just saw it on Xbox and I just played it. I've been following it a while for a while because I'm interested in the pixel art and the game development side of it. Like that's where I'm coming pixel from. I've good. never really had the inkling to want to play it, but I'm, I'm, it's one of those games that I keep looking at for the game development stuff to try and learn. But now that's it's good. on Game Pass. I'm definitely, I've, I've just literally downloaded it right now. So I'm going to give it a try. It seems you're a lot more complimentary of it than the reviews. It's hovering at a 71 on Metacritic, but it's one of your favorites of the year. Yes. Um, okay, so I think I, I remember like I was like looking up something to do with like the cat doors because I, I couldn't figure out how to open the cat doors. And I did see like people complaining about the timing, the timing. So the way the system is, it's kind of like Mega Man Battle Network. Um, <laughs> so it's a mat game. It's a mat game. Oh, this sounds awesome. It, yeah, yeah. So finally a game that does a twist on it where you have a only three lanes, but a long, it, it's kind of like a spread out to with about like 12 spaces. And you start at each end and you can move around like a strategy game on these spaces. So a 12 by three, let's say. Right. And your abilities go on these tiles. Right. And you don't have any MP or anything like that. It's all it's all witchcraft crap is all mage stuff. So, you know, you have to do use strategy according to that. And there's a lot of um, for each spell, there is a timing that you have to do with it according to like graphics and sound. It's a rhythm that you have to get down. So, for instance, there's like uh, an ability where there's a circle in the middle of the screen and then a wave comes um, past and you're supposed to click the circle once the wave perfectly um, bumps the circle in the middle and it bounces. And as soon as it bounces is when you're supposed to click A or, or X or whatever the button is. It's it's a, it's it's hard. It's you, you can't just turn your brain off like it's not a Final Fantasy game. You just turn your brain off and you just play the fucking game and you know and that's it you know and i think people that's what people want or maybe reviewers you know reviewers they're they're fucking play games all the time they're they're tired they just want to sit back and just fucking you know let the game play for them it's not the game for them (laughs) this is this is something you have to like pay attention to at each battle for for um even protection spells all that but what really gets you is the music. There's a couple songs in there, um, themes for certain characters, which are fucking good. And the characters are great. I mean, fucking great. It's too easy to love them. It's too easy. Way nice. too easy. Nice. Okay. I mean, it's not the reason I played it because I didn't even know. But, you know, if, if you like, in. 
I guess like uh, um, inclusive games, you know, that have like gay characters and and other types of characters and stuff like that, then this game is definitely like probably the best example you're you're you have right now as far as like nailing everything. Something that's not not that it's like in your face type stuff. It's just kind of like the world that it's in, you know. So mm. I think it's good. I I. I that's all I'm gonna say. I know. I know we're we're, we're like <laughs> past forty minutes and shit. It's a fucking good ass game, um, all the way from beginning to end. I'm s- kind of glad. Yeah, it looked really good and stuff. I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't really just want to. I didn't want to play it. I just was interested in the, the development. But now it's yeah. on Game Pass. Wow, you know, it, yeah, that the it, beauty of Game it's Pass basically free, <laughs> basically free. Minus it's basically that free. Fifteen. When you say basically free, you're 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 doing their marketing for them, which uh, yep. is probably also easy to do on a platform listened by tens of thousands of people at a time. But anyways, hey, this is this is part of the next generation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it just switching is. on I mean, your Xbox and seeing what's on there, and you're like, ah, oh, that game that I was kind of intrigued in. Nah, I couldn't right? just Didn't it go up it. like it's like a, a twenty million. Subscribers right now, or some shit like that. Something the numbers price like? is what? going up too. Yeah, something stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, can you imagine? But I can't believe it's two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks today. Speaking of of the next generation being about popping on your subscription service and and getting stuff piped through the internet in your face, I um took took up an offer that uh, Google Stadia is doing and tried that out for the first time on their Immortals Phoenix Rising demo, which is a real case of irony. You didn't do this for Ask Creed? I did. It, uh, that's, that's the irony, is that um, when Google was, was not named Stadia, when Go- Google's game streaming oh. service was in open beta, it was Assassin's Creed Odyssey that they were given out a free demo of. And now, two, two and a half years later, I'm I'm taking the plunge again with the free demo for a, a quite similar game that is delivered through an a quite similar service. Mm. Fine, the the Stadia service is 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 fine. You're clearly playing something that is 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 an inferior experience to to a console. the The video footage is is grainy and blurry, and your controls always feel a little thick and muddy. Um, Great. it doesn't. Whatever they were streaming to me did not look like like the 1440p they were claiming because of compression artifacts, more or less bringing it down to something that I guess would look as sharp and clear as even a 1080p image. But for the price of free and and for a demo, like this is the kind of case where I think streaming is is a lot more of an easier pill to swallow. And the game itself is actually better than I was expecting. Uh, it's the writing, I think, that primarily attracted me. It, it was a lot more of a comedy than I was expecting. The uh, demo situation is a custom-built little set of islands that they have made for the demo, and the story has Zeus and Prometheus arguing over historical accuracy <laughs> while you um, fill out their 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 little story. The art style is is totally breath of the wild inspired it's clear as day but it does look better like blown up on your full screen when you can um pan the camera to some interesting spots than than the trailers might be giving it credit for 
The combat is also more interesting than the trailers might be giving it credit for. You have um, some like uppercut moves that get you doing Devil May Cry style air juggling moves. The environment in Breath of the Wild style is very interactive as well. You can pick up a lot of objects in the scenery, throw them at enemies, toss them over cliffs and whatnot. Yeah, so I mean, if if a mashup of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Breath of the Wild sounds like your jam, it seems like they kind of hit the target there. Wow, good, actually, they've actually pulled it, it off. Looks wow, really good. Kind, yeah, I mean, a lot of the the complaints you'll see in the comments are regards to to the bad name and how generic of a concept it is to begin with, and and I mean, it, it's guilty as charged on all accounts. Let, yeah. Let's consider it Genshin Impact for joy. George, uh, like like super duper derivative inspired, mm. but still like nailing those respective goals. Yeah, that's about right. Because Genshin Impact is it's not necessarily a bad game, Liam. It's just <laughs> kind of just didn't say it was bad. Didn't say it was bad. There, it's just there. It's just there. <laughs> it's more than the didn't clothes. say it was bad. But this look does look better. This does this look completely better though. I, I have no interest in, in Genshin Impact, but if I'm going to play like a, a derivative copycat Breath of the Wild style experience, I'll, I'll go to the ancient Greek themed one. I, I just can't wait till George comes back next week and he's like, Genshin Impact, man, I've spent too much money trying to get those waifus. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be hunt showdown. He's gonna come back. We and he's fucking gonna, know it. No, no, I know what's gonna happen. I can already forecast the next two episodes are gonna be George telling me how much he loves it and how much better it is than Breath of the Wild, and me arguing with him about how he's wrong. And so, look forward to that from whenever the hell this game comes. Wait, out. wait, Mortals or Genshin? Mortals. Genshin's. Oh, okay. For what it's worth, it's it's a very differently designed level design. It's it's not a or at least the demo islands were not a big giant open world. They were an archipelago of islands that are compressed. And you can see it in any screenshot of the game. You're not going to see a screenshot of a big wide open field like in Breath of the Wild. You'll see screenshots with points of interest all over the frame. It's impossible not to keep more than a few in in view of the camera at once. But um, it's not out. The the, the demo is. It's got an, an extremely similar climbing system. Where you, you can you can climb any surface straight from the get-go. There's even like a cooking system in there too, where you can quaff stamina potions when your stamina meter is about to run out and spam them on your way up to the highest point in the mount uh, in the game as, as soon as you load it the up. Copying is real, man. I don't know how to feel about it. It's just so how am I supposed to feel about the copying? Like I feel like it's getting more blatant, right? It is pretty blatant, yeah. Because, like, it's the same thing when I was playing Ori, the second version, it just felt like Hollow Knight. And I was just like, I wanted to play Ori, not Hollow Knight. Not that it was a bad game. In in that instance, you've got a bit of a, you've already got an identity for the game, right? You're like, oh, well, that was already good. You don't need to do that. When you're making a blank slate and you're looking at what the landscape of what the most highest received games have been in the past couple of years, a lot of people, if they're making action open worlds for the next 10 years or so, are going to be like, well... Breath of the Wild is one of the highest rated games of all time. Uh, what does that do? Big open world. Can climb. Can I just find that cook. so boring to me. I just find it so boring. I don't know. But but again, 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 I am not a creative director. I mean, it's weird because Breath of the Wild's <laughs> cooking. Breath of the Wild's cooking isn't very good. 
I, they call it crafting, but I do not. I do not hold many jobs in my hand about the studio. You know, I don't. I don't own a studio and have to pay rent and uh, pay people's salaries. Okay, so I don't. I don't That's know. That's true. It's so. always tough when you have to balance that. But it looks yeah. like even even though they've copied those things and stuff like that. <laughs> real. Even though they've copied the, you know, George seems impressed. So maybe it, it strikes ex- the good balance. They they very clearly decided to make an extremely safe investment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks so safe cuz it it looks good to be honest. Like I might give this a try, but it does look like a mod. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not wrong like a really good hd mod you know but um for for the the hoops of jumping through to get stadia set up the demo is is worth the try it's it's a timed thing it's gonna go away in a few days but are you gonna stick with the old stadia no <laughs> if if I play this game for real, I am not gonna play the Stadia version. I might play more demos on Stadia, but is it Stadia or Stadia? Stadia, 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 Stadia. Stadium. Stadia sounds so much better. But if it's you know Stadia. what sounds better is Gods and Monsters. <laughs> that does sound better. That is a better name for, for okay. sure. Okay, they they decided to take a creative risk with the <laughs> name. That was not a safe investment when they changed the name. Oh, that's right. Mm. That's what I was like. It looks so familiar. Mm-hmm. There was another game looking like this. It yeah. was Gods and Monsters. This that was is, Gods and Monsters, and that was that is the more interesting Phoenix name. Rising. God. Uh. Yeah. So uh, they're 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 implying there's going to be a, an Immortals uh, IP and franchise and series, and uh, don't know. Don't know how safe of an investment bet that may be. Gods and Monsters too. <laughs> Speaking of safe bets, transitioning away from copycats and safe bets to mm-hmm. pretty much a safe bet, but one that I can get on board with. I played Disc Room, Devolver's new game. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 hot indie darling of the month. Yeah, I should say JW and the team that made Minutes new game. Oh, so it's also a little like mini. Uh, oh, wait, no, it can't be. It's 15 bucks. It's uh, that's uh, that's a different issue that we should talk about one day. Um, but um, it's pretty safe because it is a small game with a very addictive core loop that is expanded upon a bit yeah. uh, in unique ways, but is nothing more than you imagine it to be, which is thrown in a room full of spinning death discs and you just run around avoiding them on a timer. And then you hop between different rooms doing different running around avoiding discs <laughs> with different powers and then you hop around doing different running around avoiding discs and trying to complete objectives whilst not being sliced into Wait. multiple meaty pieces that's it is your version with the guy having is it is it a pizza a pizza delivery guy who's having dreams about pizzas attacking him because he's that's all he does is just work his job and he's having nightmares of having pizza 
So, okay, yeah, so you're referencing... Oh, I get it. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I was confused. Uh, I thought be, somebody copied my idea. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. So, for anybody who doesn't know, for some clarity to that context, is that Disc Room came out, and one of the big... Not the big things, but one of the cool things that they've done is something I've not seen before, which is they did a game jam associated with their launch. And they've been running the Disc Room game jam because, in quite fairness, making a Disc Room game is really fucking easy, right? Yeah. It's just a room with spinning discs you run around from. So a game maker, Unity, whatever, you can do this pretty much in 10 minutes. So one of the unique things they've done as PR <laughs> marketing for this is to make a game jam around this and... You can win a bunch of prizes, etc. You win like the the vinyl for the soundtrack, which is like an actual saw blade, and it looks really cool. And just because I played the game, well, I actually started before the game came out, but I, because I was playing the game, I thought I'd give it a shot and just enter the jam and you know waste my spare time as I do anyway making games. And uh, I was telling Matt and George before that I made a pizza rooms version where there's loads of spinning pizzas. And no, the actual <laughs> it'll be out probably by the time this episode comes out anyway because the jam ends. But um in my version of Disc Room, you have to run around avoiding death pizzas um while laying down pizza boxes and then you catch the pizza in the pizza box. And then every room has like a locked door and you have to collect a certain amount of pizzas before the door opens and lets you in the next room. So a little different to the uh, nightmarish. Uh, but if you if you touch the pizza, then you get shredded into. Oh, God. A thousand pieces. Toppings. But yeah. That, <laughs> Toppings. But then, oh, yes. Oh, that's my good, God. That is good. That's good. That's How good. are you not a game designer? Yeah. See? Dad and Sons loser. Game Inc. <laughs> game Incorporate. Bring back uh, Dad Games. Dad, Dad, Dad Den. Den. Dad Den. <laughs> oh my God, that was a thing. Yeah, that it was, was a, a fucking thing. thing, wasn't it? We made hundreds of games under our Incorporate logo. Oh my God. But it goes to show with this, uh, with this room, like it is exactly what you watch the trailer and you're like, wow, that looks interesting. And then you play it and you're like, wow, this is exactly what was shown in the trailer. And it is. And it is a safe bet. And I commend them because they came out and they were like, and this is kind of why I chose pizzas, is they said it's like they wanted to make the the margarita pizza of video games. Safe, but delicious. Can't go wrong. So they just made a short, I think it's a one-year project. <laughs> and they just like, hey, we're going to put you in a bunch of rooms and you just have to avoid some discs. Soundtrack's really good. Art looks really nice. It runs really well. And it's good fun, but... That's a one-year game? It's probably about eight months. They, they, they originally made like a, like a humble original prototype version of it like five uh, years ago. So it's existed for a while. But uh, yeah, like I could, yeah, you could make this game in a year. Like, hands down. No problem. Oh, okay. Seems, it seems shorter. It seems like a shorter time for, for, for a team to make a game that small. Because it's just rooms, right? No, it's 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 everything that comes with it. You know, like the uh, actual production music. cycle is obviously probably like maybe six oh, months. Part like, of it. It, but you know, thinking of the initial conception of the idea, getting the art, iterating on what the presentation looks like. There's a lot of finer details that go into game development. 
That is just outside of the direct, oh, I designed the level kind of feel. Like, it's not actually like, okay, we're going to start making this room right now. Yeah, you wake up one day and you're like. And then eight months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like that. It's like, I have this idea. Let's prototype this. And then, oh, that's pretty fun. But how do we make it more interesting? I have an idea. Let's not do that. And let's just keep doing what we're doing. Um, But it is fun. And it is addictive. You each gate, like room, you last like. 10 to 30 seconds on average and then you just hit restart it's weird because the one thing that i've been looking at while trying to make a game jam version of it is like just the how the how the feel of running around in disc room feels really nice like the the responsiveness of the character and trying to emulate that in my vision it's really tough you're not just moving left and right, up and down, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's like friction and then, you know, turning on a dime, like how fast can you avoid a disc? Do you feel like you're getting cheated because the controls are not responsive? And like, it's it's interesting in that kind of nerdy game design way, but as like a long form, like video game you pay $15 for, which, you know, understandably from a consumer standpoint is maybe not the greatest. I think a lot of people are going to have a great time with it. But it is exactly what it says on the tin. It is a game about discs in a room. And yeah. you navigate between different rooms, trying to finish it. Some of the some rooms have like missions, like objectives that you need to complete, but they're purposely obscure. So you're just running around trying different things. A lot of the game is about dying on purpose to try and trigger something, which oh. Is interesting, but it's not interesting in the way I think the developers tried. They're they're trying to make it maybe be something a a bit more than it actually is. Like, oh, the Mm -hmm. game is about death and the repetitive cycle of trying to figure things out. But it's more, it feels more of like a beating your head against a wall type of thing where you Mm -hmm. just, you know, you keep going until you figure something out. It's not exactly, it doesn't feel like the most puzzle like oh if i yeah. throw my body in this kind of position maybe i'll it doesn't feel like that it's just like okay disc hit me now and then <laughs> try and trigger something it feels nice to play the powers are interesting um the room design is interesting there's a couple of different rooms that have really unique um things in them but don't expect anything more than what it is watch a trailer disc- look at it and if you like the trailer you'll like the game but if you think it's anything more than that, it really isn't. Ouch. Thanks for coming to my disc talk. Play Pizza Rooms whenever the hell I finish it. <laughs> pizza Rooms. Pizza Rooms. Collect pizzas. In the land of Hyrule, the wind echoes a legend. A legend that tells of a boy who became a man. He traveled to the ends of the earth, challenging the forces of nature testing the limits of his will all to fulfill his destiny which is above all else to save me the legend of zelda the wind waker rated e for everyone so the third most popular twitch stream of all time was done by uh, two U.S. Congresswomen, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar. Uh, they have revealed how much better their gaming PCs are than, than the rest of us. Um, this thing got 439,000 th- viewers, making it the, the third highest viewed single s- Twitch stream ever. Like, like this is this is numbers comparable to like 
ninja playing Fortnite with Drake and Travis Scott. It was a um, effort intended to to drive viewers to go vote, but the content of the stream itself was kept fairly light on the politics, and a lot of the um, reception was was yeah. That was a surprise, actually. I must say, I thought it was going to be more of that than it was Among Us, and it was absolutely not that. It was it was an Among Us stream with sometimes people saying "go vote." It was them having a, a fun time playing video games like like normal people. And apparently that is the, the takeaway that a lot of people got from it was how surprised they were to uh, see Congress people act like like normal human beings, which I think we're going to get a huge dose of in the future as more and more political candidates are going to be coming from generations where they play games in their free time. Yeah. It would make them seem more human. Like, obviously, AOC is kind of a bit yeah. different. She's like bit a bit of a yeah. mythological creature, to be honest. Mm. Like, yeah. if you don't like her, you hate her is like the <laughs> weird feeling that people have about her. Like, she's too progressive. Oh, oh no, super scary. And boy, do they, as, as our follow-up story will address... A, a, a normal 2020 person who cares about human beings who was a bar lady three years ago. Ooh, scary. Which is, isn't that what they wanted? What did they want anyways? Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. That's the thing. Oh, and lo and behold, she knows exactly what somebody of her age, how to reach those people. And like those, most people will have voted who oh, are of that she? age anyway and stuff like that. But a friend of mine pointed out like there is going to be somebody and I know it's like hyperbole but there's going to be somebody somewhere who is like a 14 or 15 year old who watches Twitch religiously who is like one of those kids who's super into Twitch who watch that and is like oh who is that? I, You know politics. I wonder what's that all about. And then they read it and they get into it and then it's because of like this new way of reaching people like if she did it more often and really like integrated it into being a part of who she is and with the politics that could be incredibly powerful stuff god we're the same age holy shit yeah she is she is 31 she is of the right age to be doing it it's clear that like she knows what she's doing she's good at it and yeah, the thought of turning like Q&A sessions on Twitch, like live with a digital audience rather than than a town home just with crusty old people who, who will be showing up for that stuff. Uh, did I say town home? I meant town hall is is actually a pretty bright vision of the future uh, as 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 bleak as everything's looking. I kind of like the idea of uh of, of a more digital democracy where where the seats in the house are not constrained by the physical building sizes and representatives can take people's questions live online to uh right right to their face but yeah it's it's also like absolutely positively clearly evident that she's watched streams before and knew how to keep the audience entertained and there's a bunch of fun cute quips of her not believing she has to kill pokimane she got imposter on the first <laughs> yeah like right off the bat and in, in in the first round and and did a pretty good job of of everything like i think everyone is genuinely impressed that that these 30 year old congresswomen actually know how to play video games and in retrospect we really shouldn't be well, she she's known for be have playing League of Legends. Like she's into League of Legends. She got into like Silver Two or something at one point. She tweeted. Oh yeah, about it. it's probably better than me to be honest. 
Yeah, yeah. I, but you know, with this, it was like a quick turnaround type thing, and obviously, she's a public spokesperson, so she's obviously not bad at talking to people anyway. But the way she got into the game and was learning, and you were watching in real time how she's learning to play and how she's trying to get better, and she's deducing who is the imposter and all that kind. It was really fun to watch. It was a good time. I'm. I don't know much about the streamer she was with, apart from like. (laughs) I. I just, I just had a mental image of what the negative campaign ads would look like. If, if you can't trust this woman to save your spaceship from the imposters, how can you trust her with the, the seat of the New York City Garbage Council? Oh my God, that's the future, isn't it? You know how Trump, like, you know how Trump, like, has a go about Joe Biden and his weakness. Like, it would, it would, like, it would show like a. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe Joe Biden like throwing a ball and he looks really weak or something. You can imagine like 10 years time, it's like somebody nailing a headshot in Fortnite and be like, this is what your president can do. Joe Biden wow. has a KD ratio of less than 1.0 on Hunt Showdown. Oh is this God. the kind of man you can trust in control of our country? Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yes, and I fucking love imagining oh it, and I kind of want to make God. a video now. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just stop. That, that, that would be the day I stop watching news and being aware of what's going on in my country. Oh, man, just, this just, is... <laughs> just give up altogether. That's researching, the last video I watch. Researching your political opponent's KD ratio is going to be the future of politics, kids. Like, we're going to have, like, gamer profiles on our Facebook. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the, the negative campaign ads in response to this have, have already started in the form of a hacker uh, making the, the, the biggest, hugest hack among us has ever faced. Uh, uh, thousands, potentially tens of thousands of players have had their accounts hacked to force them to uh, spam some messages uh, promoting the hacker's YouTube and Discord channel, which I can't believe is a thing. And and of fucking course, it's a Trump supporter who has to throw in like Trump 2020 at the end of the hacked messages. Uh, trying. I can't get over that the hacker has like these these public outlets on YouTube and Discord that those services are not taking down maybe they have or maybe it's just of the nature of hacking itself to keep making dummy accounts as as they get taken down yeah you remember like when you were watching ghost in the shell standalone complex and the hacker like like hacks into the 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 tv screen in the city square and they're a mysterious enigma person who you can't like go personally look up and and chat with and interview kotaku got an interview with the hacker a uh, hacker says, I was curious to see what would happen, and personally, I found it funny. The anger and hatred is the part that makes it funny. If you care about a game and are willing to go spam dislike some random dude on the internet because you can't play it for three minutes, it's stupid. Among Us may be a small developer team, but that's not my fault. The game is at a scale bigger than most AAA games. There's nothing stopping them from getting more developers, so the it's the three people reasoning means nothing to me, end quote, said hacker to Kotaku. Fuck you. How does that make you feel, Liam? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Fuck you, you fucking right? twat. Fuck off. Wow. I know. Haha, <laughs> I'm purposely going to make somebody's morning and day and possibly week or month really difficult. 
because I'm an obnoxious twat. And then at the end, vote Trump 2020. <laughs> and then we get all hacked. <laughs> like, what point are you proving? Yes, of course, anybody with a calculator can try and guess how much Inner Sloth have made thanks to Among Us's popularity. But that is not necessary. What, what are you trying to prove? Like, the anger and hatred is the part that makes it funny. Cool, great, dude. 2020 has had enough of that fucking nonsense. We don't need that shit. Does this person realize just how, like, much negative uh, effects this has on their cause, too? Yeah. Like, I was, mm -hmm. I, was, I was reading some comments and watching some streams where it happens, because nowadays, if someone's playing Among Us with, uh, with, with any, anything to do with Trump in their tag, they are the first person <laughs> to get ejected. Yeah. I mean, people like it's to make so fun depressing. of the US, right? The dumb, fat fat fucks right that's what they call america oh yeah that's that's what happened in borat too is is a lot of a lot of play up on those stereotypes like oh you guys like trump you guys are like okay okay no we don't <laughs> we don't <laughs> yeah he uh kind of lost the popular vote by a margin of three million in an election with historically low voter turnout and we're about to have one with historically high voter turnout so i doubt any conservatives or should i say trump supporters listen to the show at this point you know I'm <laughs> black. i'm black so i like i i don't know if you if you follow trump it, it, i mean it's it's not a far it's not a far assumption to, to think that you might be racist but you know because he says some really fucked up shit but um it, it, i mean it could be because you you have a lot of money as well because i've seen rich people at work you know, try to defend Trump and with an earshot. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, turn, I turn to my brother, I'm like, we really talking about politics right now? We really talking about politics? I'm trying to focus, I'm trying to focus on the work. And he, we, we were talking about how Trump, Trump is okay. Like, oh, he did a good job. Okay. Okay. Guy with money. But yeah, like, no, most of us don't, don't fucking. Yeah, the, mathematically speaking, uh, it's, it's statistically speaking. true that most of us yeah. did not. D did not vote for yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the second time in our lifetimes that uh, the, the people did not decide the president. Anyways. Anyways, anyways. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, I'm starting to fucking get like George now. I need to stop watching press conferences. Hell yeah, that's what we need this year. I hate to 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 give it to you, but... I got more depressing news about um, the, the Oculus Excellent. Quest 2 and its uh, Facebook requirements. Um, the product has launched to more positive reviews than the first round. I told you we did that story too early. But it's also launched to a shitload of people having problems with this Facebook account requirement stuff. Starting with the uh, U.S. House of Representatives beginning antitrust legislation against tech giants that um, includes bits about how Facebook is conditioning access to a product or service in which a firm has market power to the use of a separate product or service, and that is anti-competitive. That part of, of, of the U.S. House's 450-page report on antitrust legislation is potentially referring to how Facebook acquired Oculus VR and uh, started merging the Oculus account and store services over to the Facebook ones. Customers of older headsets can still keep their old accounts separate from Facebook, but new customers of any of the Oculus headsets are now required to tie it to a Facebook account. And a lot of people who are making Facebook accounts for the first time just for this stuff 
are having them get flagged as suspicious and receiving bans. This ends up bricking the device, making it unable to be utilized at all, including as a (gasps) PC VR headset that you hook up with the link. Holy shit. What? So apparently there's something suspicious about making a new Facebook account in 2020. If you previously deleted one or want to make a dummy account for this one, you're you're potentially going to get flagged as as suspicious. You can't even make a dummy account. One user had their account flagged after running into a scammer on Facebook Marketplace. And also, if you delete your Facebook account, you're also going to be deleting your game library. I guess as soon as I'll wait for uh, Valve to release uh, Inside Out Tracking and I'll buy that one because before I didn't care. Now you're telling me deleting libraries and all this shit. I thought I was going to be able to make another account. I don't really want it. I thought that I might could get away with buying an old Oculus Quest, but. Apparently not either. That's that's not a thing. Really? So I have to I have to do it on my on my Oculus shit. It, it's interesting, right? Like you buy games through PlayStation, you buy games through Valve, you buy games mm. through Microsoft, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's the same story, right? You delete your account or whatever, like then your games go with it, your posters go with it. It is interesting how because this is specifically Facebook. People are very aware. And I feel like it's a good thing. Yes, because Facebook is a very different service that very one would have very service. different reasons for wanting to delete. But it goes to show that how much data you're already giving away to certain companies that one day if they turn around and start doing some shady shit, like how much of that stuff you've already given away and how much you've already tied to those accounts. Um, it's kind of uh, maybe a bit of a warning. I don't like it at all. I don't even like how much the index is tied to Steam, to be honest. Like, I've had problems with Steam updates making the the Steam VR middleware mm. flip out and require me to restart the hardware. Like, I, I really was hoping that VR headsets would be as simple and easy as plugging a monitor into your computer. It should be. But I guess you have to get, like, the Windows... What do you call those? Windows Mixed Reality? Windows Mixed Reality. Honestly, at this point, I think that might be the good, like, middle class recommendation. I I have heard very little gripes from my internet friends who have WMR headsets. Yeah. From from what I understand, you don't need to hug it up because it's Windows. So you got a Windows computer, you're good to go. You, you, You sometimes may have to do some some compatibility hacks to get oculus exclusives working but you got to do that with the valve headset too yeah but i do worry that if like steam goes away in the future my index might be not as useful as it if steam goes away it'll be an end of an era um something would have to be there to replace it or something big would have to change there's no way it's just gonna disappear one day that's that's an That'd be crazy. Mm, I mean, it might be a couple year long process, but we've seen as many companies fade away from a couple years of corporate incompetence. I, I'm I'm also like reminded of, of Telltale in weird ways of how like a fairly promising story can just turn t- sour after two bad years. Facebook have never really covered themselves in glory, but yeah. If Facebook faces government regulation trying to break them up into smaller companies, I think a good place to start might be with all their their VR acquisitions. 
because that might be happening. That might be happening within the next decade as this antitrust legislation gaining ground. Honestly, I'd be all for it. The world has gotten worse since Facebook became popular. (laughs) We do actually have a listener who works for Facebook who, if everything goes to hell and Facebook are going to dominate the world, maybe he can just let us know in advance as a favor to his dad. Yeah, please, please do. That would be nice. I wonder what a Facebook health insurance program would look like. You have to watch a specific amount of ads every day. Um, <laughs> you have they to have keep... it when they're getting their food at, at the food court. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't verify if the food is safe. Yeah, you're forced to communicate with your racist uncle at least three times a day. They don't verify if, if, if your doctor's degree is real. Yeah. Uh, they released some mixed messages over whether or not you're allowed to use multiple devices on one account. There was some uh, controversy, negative press floating around for a few days about how you were only allowed to use one device per account. That turned out to not be true because they're straight up contradicting something they released earlier. Yeah, they're not they're not easy. We have a couple of dev kits in the studio and ma- making multiple accounts on them and getting people to test them is really difficult. Um, because of the account system. But it was the same on the Oculus Quest 1 as well. Like the actual Oculus account back then. Mm. Um, so I don't think much has changed other than the just more Facebook stuff. Oh my god. Well, that's the news. The moment we fall asleep and we're distracted by something, something else pops up to try to sneak by. And as soon as we don't pay attention to it, well, shit got us by the balls, through. man. It's like yeah. we can't we can't fucking like we can't fucking relax, and there's too many no. things to pay attention to in this fucking world for us to to like do something about everything. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty exhausting. It's it's exhausting. Like there's so much to worry about. Obviously, go vote, but go vote. <laughs> definitely Please go do. vote. But <laughs> I can't vote, but you can if you are American and listening to this. If you're also listening to this, go send us questions. Yes. Please do. We'll love to hear. Send them to our inbox, or if you uh, want them a little more directly in our face, um, subscribe to our Patreon, get access to our Discord, and post mm. them in the listener question channel. Intimate. I, I got some fun ones. Um, the Ooh. first from the Patreon is Danny I. They say, from 70s sitcoms to 90s rap. <laughs> I, I do admit I, I, I edited a really long email down to this. From 70s sitcoms to 90s rap, entertainment mediums ebb and flow with various genres and subgenres hitting their peaks at different times in history. Since this is a <laughs> video game podcast, I pose to you, what are the best genres respected to their eras of video games? In other words, which genres hit their peak in the NES generation, the PS1, then the PS2, then the Xbox Holy. 360, and Holy. how about now? Well, I mean, P- PS2 was like R- JRPGs, right? Uh, platformers, JRPGs, JRPGs and platformers, shooters. Let's go back to the front. The NES generation. What genre do we think hit its peak in the NES generation? Platformers. platformers. Yeah, side-scrolling platformers. Mario 3, I still think, is my favorite one of that series. Late-gen NES platformers are some of my favorite shit. Kirby's Adventure on the NES is my favorite Kirby game. That SMB3 is, very, is very my favorite game. Mario game. PS, PS1 has been like JRPGs, like JRPGs. 3D games, basically. Like you, had like you had like Silent Hill. All those weird games started coming out on PS1. Yeah, like horror games I don't games. think 
have really yeah. been the same since the the Audis because um that pixelated aesthetic like it it tingles your imagination like you don't know yeah. how gross the image of the of the horror is is when it's like kind of pixelated and blocky and low poly yeah. and that's something you can't capture nowadays like yeah. there's mods that are being made for modern horror games an amnesia mod just uh, was released that makes it look like a 1998 game and people love that shit. Okay, so we're not talking about what was the most popular genre of the era. We're talking about yeah. what genre hit their peak during yeah. that time. What, what okay. peak? I would say pixel art. I think there have been great platformers since the NES, but yeah, obviously the NES had quite a domination of platformers. Yeah. They, they missed the SNES and I want to say like pixel art may never be that good again. Because it's not as big a business with as many people competing no, over it. No, there's, there's, there's some good pixel art. I was gonna say indie games are carrying the way forward, but but the indie indie games have some really fucking dope shit. Thank but, but you. But as like as like the normal mainstream games, like like the oh, stuff yeah. you saw on the Super Nintendo oh, and yeah. and GBA, especially when a lot of those old artists were going King back. of Fighters. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Yeah, I know, right? Like nut busting type of pixel art. Yeah. <laughs> nut busting. Excuse nut me. Nut busting, man. But that's the thing is, King of Fighters thirteen. The last 2D one before they turned the 3D monstrosity, which was also a pretty good game. But the King of Fighters 13 on the PS3 is one of the best looking sprite based games I've ever seen in my life. It's glorious. Probably took them ages, man. Took them ages to do that. Make it super clean like that. PS1 is definitely JRPGs. I think, like, you can argue they got a lot more, but you were talking Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IX, yeah. Suki Don. Oh, actually, PS1 is probably also when fighting games were, like, at their solid peak. Like, that era, we're talking, like, Street Fighter 2, like, the the Super Turbo game uh, 3, the Marvel vs. Capcom games, then on Neo Geo, you obviously had King of Fighters, you had... Marvel vs. Capcom was PS1? Marvel vs. Capcom was Dreamcast, and then... Right, okay. That's what That's what I was like. I'm really confused right now. Okay, Dreamcast, yes. M- no, Marvel vs. Capcom was on PS1. Oh, it was. And then Capcom vs. Marvel yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was on Dreamcast. And there was also, like, a shitload of good SNK fighting games. But are you sure fighting so. games wouldn't have peaked a decade later when, when online tournament culture FGC stuff started popping up, when, when games started getting specifically made for that? Because fighting games had a lull for a while, but then they came back. Melee. I mean, now it's died down a bit now, right? Like, it used to be, like, pop yeah. in, and then it kind of died down. Yeah, you just have the big hitters now. But that's the thing. I think PS One, you know, X Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel Super uh, Superheroes versus Street Fighter. Obviously, you had all of the renditions of Street Fighter. Um, there was a lot of Japanese fighting games coming out then. You know, I, I, is the Neo Geo the same era? It's around about it. When I when I think of Garu Mark of the Wolves, I, I may, maybe fighting games did peak with that that late <gasps> mid to late nineties stuff. Guys, breaking news! By the way, just want to interrupt. That big moon news, surprisingly I'm wearing a NASA hoodie, that big moon news is there is water on the moon. How did that get there? Wait, what? There is water on the moon's surface in the shadows of the moon. Oh my god, anyway, video games. Sorry. Why Why took us this long to fucking find this out? Shit's no expensive. idea. But holy shit, there we go. Yeah, that's that's neat. That's fucking impressive, what? 
I wonder if uh, if there's germs in that water. Anyways, um, it's probably a lot. All right, PS2, PS2 generation. What genres peaked in the PS2 days? JRPGs. JRPGs. I would agree. That that was like, I mean, you went to GameStop and you just had things you never heard heard about just sitting on there on the shelf. I people are still replaying Persona three and four. Like they're still getting re releases. You had uh, the Rogue Galaxy come out around the same time as, as Final Fantasy twelve. Rogue Galaxy, wow, that's a blast in the past. Xbox three sixty is definitely shooters. Definitely, definitely shooters. We're talking first person shooters. Yeah, yeah. You you had Gears come out. You had oh my god, just Halo. Wait, no, are we talking? Wait, actually, I'm ta- if we're talking PS three and Xbox, it's like third person action. That that that. Yeah. Third, I mean, we had shoot, shooters in general. Xbox three sixty was like Xbox. So action was, action games then, like Uncharted, Gears. I just don't know if I'm as like interested in that genre. Like, I think it's kind of interesting how JRPGs had such a peak in the PS two games, but the whole Japanese game industry kind of went went in a downturn for the early years of of the next gen, and now we're saying, oh, it's the... Well, you say they peaked with PS2, but really the golden era of JRPGs was the PS1. Right, right. It's just that that horror game aesthetic of the PS1 can't be done anymore. And and the Super Nintendo. So JRPGs had a long time in the sun. I mean, obviously there were great JRPGs on the PS2, but when we're talking like the golden era, it's that transition from the Super Nintendo to the PS1. So, so JRPGs were great both on the PS1 and the PS2 days. The PS2 days, I just don't think has as nostalgic a, a vibe as like, I think the, the place in our hearts, the PS1 horror games might have here. Because the PS1 JRPGs, like that is the trilogy of, of like everyone's favorite Final Fantasy games, like seven, eight, nine have, have their fans to this day. That came out around the same time as like Xenogears. And and yeah. uh, Chrono Cross, Vag- uh, was it Vagrant Story, Wild Arms? There are so many FF Tactics. Liam's favorite. That's a that that was PS One era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the point. I think the golden era was then, but yeah. I guess it's a toss up between JRPG and horror. I'll give it to horror because I love my my pre rendered tank controls, and that's something that's never coming back. I think yeah, horror didn't really transition over into like the PS2 era, maybe the same way. I, mm-hmm. I think even though you had, I don't think JRPGs peaked in PS, made in PS1. They just had their golden era, but horror definitely peaked. I think with Resident Evil. But even though Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games, but it's not a very good horror game. A JRPG like Blue Dragon is evocative of how much trouble I think that format had transitioning to the following generation. It took them a while. Yeah, but at the same time, Lost Odyssey came out and Lost Odyssey's great. It still isn't no golden age. I, I, I think as soon as Mass Effect and Dragon Age and a lot of Western RPGs came out, no one wanted to play JRPGs anymore. Well, specifically on console, you know, that transition yeah. from PC to, you know, Western yeah. RPGs were basically only a PC thing. Western RPGs then transitioning into the console with like KOTOR and BioWare mm. leading the charge and then Bethesda. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. You had, you, you fucking had uh, uh, Elder Scrolls. Like, like that filled that hole mm. and JRPGs you realize the story was kind of just like the same every time and 
Yeah. And I guess like one of the reasons why it doesn't strike me as exciting to be like, oh man, shooters peaked in Xbox 360 years is that shooters kind of became like the default video game itself over those years. Yeah. So going over the list, it's kind of amazing how much that genre evolved. When I Google search for Xbox 360 best shooters, the, the lineup begins with stuff like Perfect Dark Zero and ends at stuff like, like Titanfall. Like there's a lot of differences between those two games there's so many different places that that this genre went over that generation that that lineup includes stuff like bioshock infinite uh left for dead and the far cry games all the halo games as well like you can nail a lot of fundamentally different gameplay and visual styles in this format that it seems kind of broad to think that it might have peaked during that age yeah, I, I have a hard time. I, I want to say that cute, small indie games maybe sort of were at their most fun. No way. No the way. middle. No way. But, no but way. they were still fresh. They were new. The novelty was there in a way that we may have like, like gotten used to at this point. No, I like disagree. If, if Braid and Fez came out nowadays, I don't think they would make as big a splash. If Castle Crashers came out nowadays, it especially wouldn't make as big a splash. I, I disagree with that. Like indie games, especially those types of indie games, we still talk about every week. But if you think about the Xbox 360 generation of multiplayer shooter games, that like is that at, like you epitomize with Xbox Live and that sort of thing. We're playing online games more than ever now. But it is the peak. That is like an already a nostalgia trip for a lot of people because it yeah. was such a high. And every November and December was filled with the new Battlefield, the new Call of Duty, like all of those top tier multiplayer shooters and stuff like that. Everyone had mics. Everyone was talking. The lobbies were toxic as fuck. But like everyone was having a good fucking time. Like that age was so pure. I admit that the difference is I'm not nostalgic for that. I don't want toxic lobbies again. I'm so fucking tired of gamer toxicity. And that's what I associate. It's not the same as it is now. It's, it's completely different. It's completely different. When we used to talk shit on Xbox Live back then, it may be because I'm an old man now and I, I remember it different. But we weren't necessarily hurtful back then. It was like we talked yeah. shit, but uh, like in a in a way of sportsman like, and that was just like kind of part of it, you know. And that and that it was it added so much fun. Now no one fucking talks, and if they do talk, it's just like all toxic, all the time. Like super super like nasty comments. You get racism all the time now. I mean all the time. Like I might as well mute the mic. It's ridiculous. Back then, it was not like that at all. That's kind of how I remember Modern Warfare 2. And even Team Fortress 2, to a certain extent, kind of became toxic mic spam. Uh, mm. I'm just going to shrug I guess, I guess because PC was different. Because I, uh, back in the day, I didn't play PC. I played Xbox Live. I didn't play consoles. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just talking about what peaked. And I think they peaked because the shooters (laughs) now are not the same. They are Battle Royales. And that, that, you know, like Warzone is the most popular Call of Duty game. And it's not uh, uh, like that. It's a Battle Royale, right? 
So I think when we're talking the battlefields, the Call of Duties, even the third-person action games that you add on top of that, the gears and everything that came with it, that mm. they feel like a product of that era. Like if you make a game like that now, I I don't think it would sell that well. So, so what do we think is peaking right now? Yeah. Battle Royales. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. One thing that I wanted to mention that in the the Nakey Jake video on um. Naughty Dog games feeling outdated <gasps> reminded me of it. Games That's are a lot less. A uh, video. They're a lot less focused on the scripted event stuff than they used to be. Like so much of um, modern game design is about having sandboxy emergent systems that interact with one another in cool ways, and that seems like a shift that that we have all been begging for for the past two generations towards focusing more on gameplay over graphics. Graphics totally plateaued, and the like cinematic adventure. Of, of looking at cool set pieces is not as uh, big a thing as, as it was mm. in, in, in previous gens. Games like Uncharted, uh, yeah, and part of the reason why I don't like The Last of Us 2 very much, um, like that kind of third-person action combat, very, not linear corridor type stuff, but definitely that doesn't tend to be flavor of the month anymore yeah. for a lot of people. Since playing Half-Life Alex, I've seriously had to have a reckoning with myself over how much I really want Half-Life style campaigns again, because I think I am having a lot more fun with Star Wars Squadrons in yeah, terms I... of like the big VR game of 2020 for me. Alex was exhausting, man. You know, the VR games might have sort of a, a peak year. If it's going to be niche, if it's not going to catch on in the future, 2020 might be might be the last big hurrah we're gonna we had half-life alex no, we had um star wars squadrons to catch on it's not going anywhere i yeah i know okay yes yes fine i've been saying this for years george and each time you keep spending more money george it's gonna catch on i'm crossing my fingers i'm i'm praying to to george god so medal of honor is is gonna be coming out soon there's there's yes. oh yeah and the walking dead saints and sinners is is something that might have been a 2019 game but there mm. are a lot of good contenders that have come out within this year or the previous one for like like killer app vr stuff what else we got in there uh the, yeah population one uh just released a fairly positive press as well Population one. More people are going to own headsets. They're going to get cheaper. They're going to get smaller. They're going to get easier to wear. And um, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners was a 2020 game. So, uh, yeah, 2020 has had a surprisingly strong lineup of killer app VR stuff that is, is, is worth taking the plunge. Population one. Oh, this game. Yeah, it's, it's Fortnite and like VR, style. basically. Yeah. But just, it. It looks like good, clean fun. Possibly roguelikes as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever year Cadence of Hyrule came out was uh, probably a good year for roguelikes. Possibly roguelikes might go away, hmm. which and might doesn't, suck for Doesn't me, that but... fold into the, the focus on, on emergent sandboxy systems? Like, like that, that whole genre is all about that stuff. Hmm. Maybe like randomly generated stuff. I can't wait for Battle Royales to die. I want it to die. I've, I've had good fun with it. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it. I mean, Hunt Showdown is great. It's just I, I want something else. I, I will admit that one of the reasons why I probably why I've been playing so much Hunt Showdown is that I expect it to be less popular, um, in the future. So I wanna, I wanna get it out of my system now. Yeah. Ugo Giant asks, uh, I've been playing Super Mario sixty four and recently the remaster of Command and Conquer Red Alert. 
Back in the day, I considered myself quite good at Mario 64. I remember running through levels with ease and using shortcuts. In Red Alert, I always found the game far too difficult. Halfway through, there would always be some mission where I found myself unprepared. Fast forward a couple decades, and now my experiences have flipped. Mario 64 feels clunky and uncomfortable, like trying to build an Ikea table with only a hammer. Red Alert, I found the campaign almost laughably easy. Have any of you experienced something similar? Have you gone back to revisit a game from your childhood, only to find your experience of playing has completely flipped? I definitely am better at Crusader Kings 3 than when I tried to play Mario 64 as well. I'm just old. Yeah. Just old. Those reflexes, man. They get they get get kind of slow. But your technical knowledge increases. Yeah. So mm. a, as a kid, I had a hard ass time playing virtually any kind of PC game. And nowadays I, I absolutely love being able to go check out stuff that I, I was not able to get into as much as a kid. TIE Fighter was one of my favorite games as a kid, but I didn't have a real joystick for it. I also would have a hard ass time getting those um like DOS-based sound card setups mm. going to work. And um, yeah, like a lot of weird old DOS stuff, Elder Scrolls games, Betrayal at Condor. Crondor is something I played as a kid that uh, I, I mean, those old DOS PC games were always built more for adults anyway, but it's a way, way different experience going back to revisit them. Versus being a kid in the 90s, not knowing how to use a computer very well, much less as more unfriendly as they were back then. I, I can't remember a situation where it's been too hard or it feels like clunky. Um, I'm pretty sure it has happened. But I, I do have a lot of experiences of like me as a kid thinking something was just so like unattainable. And... And now it's just a lot easier just to kind of go in and do like, I remember like I could never finish Final Fantasy seven. Like it was just so much. It was just so much. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I might be the opposite. Like, like I had a lot more interest in finishing longer games as a kid than I seem to have now. Mm. Like nowadays I just genuinely as an adult, don't give a shit about a game's story most of the time because most of the time wow. it's not great. Like I, I don't give a shit a lot of times about how investing hours upon hours in, in something that I only uh, halfway care about. And it feels bad, dude. It feels really bad. I think that's like the mostly the only thing I not only thing I care about, but almost the only thing I care about. Like if the story is there, like that's why I care about endings so much. I don't like the ending to be shit. Like, I want a complete game. I want a complete experience. I, I want the gameplay to be there. But, I mean, if I look at the last few games I've played, um, you know, like Night of the Woods, I mean, you had Demon Tower, but there's not much gameplay going on in that, in that game other than grabbing and stealing stuff. <laughs> and that's pretty easy. You know, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy story for sure, I think, number one. I think I'm more of a logical thinker than being able to just react. Like when I'm a kid, I just want to run around, do stuff in a game and just press buttons and be happy about yeah. it. Now as an adult, I have to pass the information through, yeah. think about it, make a decision. And, you know, and also going back to old PC games, like the, that logical processing, you need to think about these things like uh, strategy games or real time stuff. It's too much as a kid. I'm on I was unable to do it, you know, 
attention. Maybe that that's what our our listener is facing here, because Mario 64 is a game with famously clunky controls and camera that a lot of new players have a hard time adjusting to. The camera is shit. I don't think the controls are clunky, but when when you're a kid, you learn faster. Your brain is like Mm. younger and stretchier. Your synapses are firing faster. (laughs) That shit does decay with age. And so like learning an uncomfortable control scheme and, and a clunky camera is something I mean, as a kid, you don't even know it's uncomfortable yeah. and clunky. Like that's just your your frame of reference. You haven't played the good shit yet. You know, the good shit hasn't come out yet. It is harder to learn new things as an adult when you have a frame of reference that keeps you held back. Yeah. And maybe maybe thinking through strategies is something that comes easier as as an adult than a kid. I played Red Alert as a kid, but I got my ass handed to me online every time. And when I looked at uh, a little card that would come in the box of strategies, like, oh, combine your shield bubble generators with the most powerful tanks in the game and and use that together. That never occurred to me as a kid. But as a kid, apparently I had enough patience and and aptitude to go through a bunch of complicated JRPG stuff I'd never be interested in as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's the audience of the game that they're intended for. Like Mario 64 is definitely intended for younger players than Red Alert. Um, I mean, there's a reason why we have target audiences. Like people can try games. They're not necessarily going to be the target audience, right? right? Mm, a lot right. of people think for some reason, like every game should appeal to them, but that's just not the truth of it. Like, oh, why don't I like this game? I don't know. Maybe just it's not for you. It's like Pokemon. People getting angry about Pokemon. It's like. In reality, Pokemon was made for when you were eight years old, not yeah. 33. <laughs> a, a lot of gamer toxicity and negativity is is willingly disregarded. The fucking fact. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. Enjoy what you enjoy. Don't worry about it if you don't. I haven't thought about Pokemon in so long. You reminded me about that last game. Thank you, Liam. Uh, the last I had fun with I'm angry. Ah, uh, toxic, 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 toxic. <laughs> don't worry be, be happy, happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah our last question is is a big george one i am gritting my teeth and smiling and rubbing my palms together as i read casper's following question dad's question especially with the patreon a discord full of admirers of your work and all that sweet sweet internet fame how do you guys feel about parasocial relationships Do you think there is a certain responsibility on content creators to try to minimize those building up in the first place? Or is it the people's fault alone who lose themselves and their admiration to a content creator to an unhealthy degree? Are there experiences with this you might have already had that you're willing to share? One-sided relationships? Parasocial relationships are uh, relationships you have with someone who doesn't even like really know about you. It's kind of referring to stuff happening one way through the internet. When a character like, let's say, PewDiePie markets themselves as a normal, relatable, everyday gamer kid who's like your friend, but he's really not your friend. He is a performer making a product that you are consuming by uh, having having advertisements get hosted Mm -hmm. on it and by tuning in every day. And I think that like a lot of entertainment products in the world and things that we consume, it must be done with some certain degree of responsibility. But I also don't want to blame viewers for, especially viewers who, who may be um, um, neurologically atypical, so to speak, for, for getting too caught up in this stuff. 
any kind of, of product or service being sold is going to have some sort of nefarious implication at some point for some certain portion of the audience. There is no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism. I, I, my feelings on this are complicated and long-winded, and I don't want to dominate the mic. So uh, what, do you, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, I can't really talk about it in the sense that you can. This is something that you have yeah. extensive... I have had many negative experiences and positives too. I mean, but that's to discredit what we've built with Dan Sons. And obviously we're not yeah. talking about million followers, subscriber nonsense from YouTube and how you have to deal with that kind of life. But that life also comes with the fact that you have a lot of money and probably a lot of people around you for security. But if you're that, especially, I think this is especially important when we talk about female content creators who have stalkers and that kind of some of the nightmare stuff that you can read about yeah. about these type of parasocial relationships that can happen um especially twitch streamers you know not massive twitch streamers but maybe have like 500 people watching or something like that including aoc herself can you imagine like like there are people obsessed mm. you can't even have a boyfriend on your stream yeah, like that is the kind of nonsense we're talking about, right? Like you lose money if you have a boyfriend oh on your stream. God. Like it governs your life as a as a female streamer or your content creator or Yeah, that kind of thing is the you know what we're talking about here when it, I think one of the main things obviously everybody has it different. Uh, personally, I I mean Matt, you can speak to how it was when you were doing YouTube and stuff, but with Dan Sons, our audience maybe doesn't fall into this bracket, I don't think. It's a bit it's a bit different, yeah. We have, and it's become very apparent, and I think, you know, we've praised it enough, and we we were worried about how creating a Discord would happen because of this. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we're not AOC streaming among us to 400,000 people, but yeah. we have a great listenership that is sizable for a podcast, especially a video game podcast. Podcasts don't have the greatest one, you know, apart from like those who also do YouTube at the same time and then create a knockoff podcast on the side. But we knew that there were going to be people there. Like, we're incredibly grateful for that. But we were worried about what would happen with the Discord and what was going to happen. Who are the type of people who are going to come? What is going to happen? And it's turned out to be like one of the best things we ever did <laughs> because yeah. the community of people in there are wonderful supportive people who live their own lives who share their own experiences who are happy to give you advice or happy to talk about stuff but they're also just human beings who are living their own lives who want to just be go to a place where they have something in common which is they listen to an okay podcast yeah. and that turned out fine it's not anonymous it's not i mean everybody has a username and stuff but it, it it's not it's not that it's not anonymous it's just that you know, you recognize people and then the, their behaviors and their patterns and, and you start to just get to know people. And that is very different to like random off chance YouTube comments. And it, I, I mean, less anonymous than than Twitter, but still a degree of anonymity there that can protect bad actors that can slip into your community and sabotage. Yeah, it. but not to us because we can see their email addresses and their names thanks to Patreon signs up. But now, but yes, uh. I, I I have a story that I haven't told very publicly before. I mentioned mm. this in a Discord conversation oh. with the fans, but never on a public outlet to the world. Okay. And it's been a couple years, so I think it might be time. In the Super Bunny Hop Discord, a user showed up who um, started off fairly cordial and friendly to everybody, 
mm. before bringing the conversation to more and more political places. And in those political places, this user would talk about how they want the United States balkanized, how they want the United States to split up, and they want they want Trump to drive division. Even though Trump, that this user would talk about what what a big dummy Trump was, and how he's an idiot, he still appreciated how Trump was was bringing to light the divisions inherent in the states, and uh, then then said some uncouth things about nationalism and race. I googled some of their language, and guess what came up? If I put quotation marks around some of the language they used, I'll uh, I'll let you guys take a few guesses of what forum Google found the same exact words this guy was using on i mean obviously some sort of terrible place stormfront ah what's stormfront neo-nazi forums oh hey great (laughs) hey how you doing (laughs) so i dm'd this user i i told them that i did a google search on some of the arguments that they made in the exact same language was being made by a user on stormfront and they said uh-huh, I don't know anything about that. I saw it on another forum I pasted it from. Sure, buddy. A few days later, he asks me for my fucking address. He says that 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 I should try LSD and he'll e- he'll mail me in my address some LSD and that's the point where like no, that was suspicious as hell. It was absolutely a clearly bad actor who who was a with fucking horrible intentions who then shortly afterwards deleted their account and straight up threw it away. Like, like this shit happens. Like, that, that's yeah. a worse story than Airport Girl. I've told the Airport Girl story, but this stuff still happens. Oh, that's innocent, though. Airport Girl is innocent. She's not a Nazi. <laughs> She's a worried fan. I wouldn't say innocent, but not, not a Nazi, no. That counts as stalking. That was definitely a case of stalking. I was being stalked. Well, listen, listen. If you're a girl and you like George and you just happen to know what airport he's going to, bring some no, banana bread. No, don't. Bread. don't take, take me out to dinner first. Don't follow me to the airport. Send me and Matt your resume and we can be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please send your resumes to uh, <laughs> Dad and Sons podcast. At I think it's that thing, right? It's 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 so odds like in the interactions of this brief interactions i've had with some wonderful dad and sons listeners over the years you know it's been great but there are moments when they're like oh my god it's you it's you i listen to you every day like i listen to you every week you're amazing like i love you and the guys and oh my god it was so funny when you got drunk and did this and all this and i'm like i forget how much people know about us because of this show because of how much we talk about right yeah we we, we get a little real on this podcast don't there we? there are some listeners with a better memory than others who who, who, yeah. who may be keeping tabs and that makes me a little nervous to be honest I mean, fair play to them in terms of like, oh, sure, I forgot about that. But hell, you you remembered it. But there were things I like if I watch a TV show that I really like and I get into it, I remember everything about the TV show. And I'm like, yeah, how, yeah. how is that any different? Really? It's not. It's not. There's a podcast yeah. I've listened to for literally almost 13 years. Like I listen to it every week, a couple of times a week. It's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a soccer podcast. So. It's called the Football a Ramble in the UK. Soccer podcast. You listen a soccer to soccer po- podcast. Really? It's a comedy soccer podcast. Okay, that I've, I listen to, and I've listened to for like thirteen years. It's one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Those guys have been going for years and years and mm-hmm. years. And I obviously know about them a lot. And I actually met one of the guys 
years ago when I worked at Rockstar to when I went to watch one of their live shows and I knew a lot about him. And then <clears throat> he was, I knew he was into video games because of, uh, of, of, so I was like, Hey, I work at Rockstar, et cetera, et cetera. And then I got to know him and then I became friends with him and I've known him ever since. And it's like, well, that started because I listened to him for like three or four years before I even met him, which is super weird. But I'm not a crazy weirdo. I'm just some dude who listens to him. That's, Leo, that's yeah, Liam's a stalker. <laughs> Liam's that's Leo. no, no. As someone who has been stalked, that's that's fine. All Liam's friends know that he is stalked. Every single one of them, and knows exactly he, he knows exactly how to manipulate his way. How do you think I got into the games industry? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't laughing. How do you think I ended up on this podcast? If anything, wasn't I like? I feel like I would have been following you around because I was in your domain in Japan. No, I, I how you and me started talking. It was a little stalkerish, actually. It was, and this is, it was. You tweeted some photos about where you were, and I was like, "Oh, I was there recently. Oh, it would have been good to see you." And That's then not you, stalkerish. And then you DM'd me like, "Hey, how do I get a visa to live in Japan?" And then, and then we end up going from that. Like stalking <laughs> is when you're being followed around in real life and you don't want to be. Yes. It's very, very different. Like, like stalking will make you feel unsafe. It'll give you that feeling that you're not alone when you think you're alone. That's just the way Liam, Liam has mastered the stalking ways. Maybe Liam's just never alone. Anyways. He is a stalking Jedi. Okay. Maybe you just haven't found out yet. Stalking Yoda. Yoda right? would be stupid good at stalking. He'd just yes, float he into the bushes. You can't <laughs> camouflage. He's like green, wrinkly. It's a disruptive pattern. <laughs> <laughs> see you, I guess. Twitch stream, I see. <laughs> Subscribe, I must. Imagine that you're walking home from the con beanie at night and you just hear a <laughs> coming from a bush. Yo, I'm out. There's no way. Like, <laughs> it's funny now, but if you're outside and you hear, mm -mm, like, no, no, that's a no from me, dude. <laughs> it's like those like fucking game maker horror games that you you find, and you just see like like something in the bushes while your like, guys nope, walking nope, across. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> it's a no from me, man. <laughs> it's a no. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm Yoda yeah, yeah. laughing my way out of this conversation. <laughs> well, we can end it with if you like parasocial relationships, <laughs> then listen to the Dad and Sons podcast. Listen to the Dad and Sons podcast. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on YouTube on on the Super Bunny Hop Second Channel. And do you know what? Let's expand our parasocial reach. Show us, show us to all your friends. Get them involved. Let's create like a whole combine of human combine. beings that have fake relationships with us. We love you all. You should subscribe to the Discord, of course, because as we've mentioned, it's amazing. And you know, what? I don't know. Rate us on iTunes. Share us about. We never do any of this promotional stuff. And you know what? We're giving you goddamn free content every week with the people like Greg, who made Hades, who's way cooler than all of us, and. 
you should have a parasocial relationship with him instead. Mm. Uh, paid content as, as well. We are doing our, um, AMA session. It, it'll, it'll be over and done with by the time you guys are listening to this, but in case you're interested in having a actual one-to-one conversation with us over some of these topics we talk about, check out, uh, a $15 tier on the Patreon for our honorary AMA events. Once a month, we yeah. more or less have an episode like one of these, but with a group of fans, um, asking us questions and leading the discussion along the way. You can come ask me questions about my hernia, but if you're stalking me, you'll already know about it. <laughs> that's oh that's interesting. I hope no one got a hold of your medical records, Liam. I don't even have a hold of my medical records. How will they have a hold of my medical Somehow, records? some way, I bet Facebook I wish turning does. 30 hadn't crumbled me into dust. Why can't you just go to a website and pull up your medical records? No, let's not make that easier. There's too many websites that have personal information of us out there. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, you sign in, like, there's no way for people to just... I did think about getting one of those password things recently. Six-factor just... authentication, please. Mm. Let me let me use my fingerprint and retina scan. It's so hard to get medical records, dude. You have to call a special number at the, at the hospital that you were visiting at that time, and then ask them to go through verification, and they send you a fucking CD, and it's just like, what, 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 what is this? What is it? Am I in the in 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 the the nineties? Like what the fuck? At least is make this? it you a USB. Burn me a mixtape <laughs> of my metal. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if you did get sent one and it it, it, it just had like it had Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory on it or something stupid? It would be like mixtape volume like twenty six or some shit like that. <laughs> Oasis is Wonderwall and best hits. With some some anime music videos. <laughs> Who even has a disk drive on this on their PC these days?